I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. This goes to show you, you could record anywhere, anywhere, no excuses. We are live from Baptist Hospital here in Miami, Florida for episode number 37, 37 of the Coach HP Show. Brought to you now more than ever by Positivity. Been getting some great feedback. Uh, a couple, couple of you guys said the same thing, like, I don't know if you could take enough positivity but you love it you're sticking with the show you're listening to it i'm trying with the whole positivity thing to be honest with you just to keep it authentic a lot of people make it corny very vanilla very like ha 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 like very gimmicky i care less about that i want real stories from authentic people whether people know who they are or they don't but if i like the story i'm putting them on this dude that we have on today just a resume alone. Two national titles at Miami. Two Super Bowl championships. One with the Cowboys. One with the Ravens. Longest return in NFL history is why his, uh, his handle is at NFL record. Go through all that success professionally and then transfer to being president of Drew Rosenhaus, of Rosenhaus Sports with Drew Rosenhaus. I mean, if there is a guy that you want representing your kid, getting advice of the future for young athletes, for young football players, I mean, you can't ask for a better resume. My man's from Barbados, from the beautiful islands. Graduated from South Ridge High School here in Miami. Such a great story. What a great human being. Great career, better person. It was just simply awesome to have my man, Miami Zone, on the Coach HP show, Robert Bailey. Let's go. I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, boom, we're on. First of all, man, first of all, I was talking to, I have a very good friend. I see him three times a week, and I go to him. I go, do you by any chance know who Robert Bailey is? He goes, of, of course. I just spoke to him a week ago. He says he speaks to you regularly. My buddy's name is Dr. Lee Kaplan. Yeah, that's my guy. That's the guy, huh? Dr. Lee Kaplan is honestly... Um, one of the main, I would say the second doctor in terms of 
level of importance to our agency and our company and our players. We send him um, a, a, a good amount, 40, 50 second opinion cases every single season. Wow. From, I, I, from college and NFL? NFL. We, we, we don't represent college players until they leave college. Got it, got it. I work with his uh, with his son. Yes. Okay. Cool. Doctor Kaplan is a very amazing doctor. Um, you know, Doctor Andrews is 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 the Bible of this business. He's in Pensacola. Um, he Doctor Doctor Kaplan learned uh, from Doctor Andrews, and Doctor Andrews is probably the best uh, orthopedic in the world, and so. Dr. Kaplan is uh, being lead. He's pretty old, so hopefully um, um, in the near future, Kaplan will keep that business going. I love it. I love it. Robert, now if I get this correctly, you're from Barbados? Yes, I was born in Barbados. I came over to Miami with my mother and my stepfather when I was nine years old, and I started playing football probably at 11 years old. So are you and Rihanna the two most famous people from Barbados? I would say I'm number one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what I was saying. I said yeah, you I won. Say, I would say I would say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a close number two. <laughs> Dude, I love that, man. How was it going to South Ridge, bro? When did you realize that you were talented at football? Because I come from the baseball world. Right. We start super early, bro. You guys in football, what's like a common back then? I'm sure now they're maybe starting at three years old, but back then, what age would kids start playing football? Oh, I mean, you know, Little League in South Florida is huge. Um, it's a lot more corrupt now, but <clears throat> Little League in South Florida is huge. They start playing. Football from I, I remember just seeing five year olds out there when I was when I was a kid when I was young just you know the five year olds they, they even train there's some parks that these kids come out before the season and they actually do training sessions with six seven year olds they run the park they run gassers they run around they work on little things here and there it is a it is crazy in South Florida. It's, you know, I mean, Florida football is absolutely, in my opinion, number one in the country. Uh, you know, a lot of people argue Texas and California, but I, I would say Florida football is number one in our our, our little league um, football. I I'm back. So Florida football is is definitely uh, number one in, in in my mind. And you know, to answer your second question. Um, I really didn't watch college football. You know, back then we didn't have um, cable TV. I, I spent a, a, a majority of my time outside playing throw up tackle and throwing the football around and tackling people in the street. And I didn't really even watch college football. The only reason really I, I went to University of Miami was because they had a good medical program and, and um, I was I was uh, heading that way in the medical field, and um, 
so I, I, I wanted to, to go to their, I wanted to be a part of that medical program and it was close to home. So those played a factor. It wasn't until I went there and then I learned about the history of football there and, um, you know, all the great years and great players they had and the great coaches. And, and, and I was like, okay, I guess I picked a good one. <laughs> that is awesome, man. Yeah. Robert, to me, you just seem, man, I've known you now for five minutes and 37 seconds. Just like a real nice guy, man, who cares. And that's the, that's the vibe I get from you. And what I think is real special from your story is there's obviously a lot of great things to talk about. But the fact that players can have a guy like you with your heart, but with your experience at the same time, that makes you as an agent just like priceless, brother, because you don't find too many people that literally wore the pads and represent players at, at the same time. So did I describe your personality pretty good there? Well, well, I mean, you know, in our agency, right, so um, my partner Drew Rosenhouse is the founder, and uh, his brother is the CFO, chief financial officer, and uh, also our acting attorney. Um, he went to University of Miami. We actually were in classes together um, in undergrad. And, and then, you know, I'm the president of the company. And when we, when we go and meet with different families and different players, college players, um, and we're describing uh, ourselves or Drew's describing everyone at the table, he always throws in under my title that I am also uh, the mentor for all of our clients. And, uh, I, I take that title seriously. You know, I try to tell the guys, um, everything that they need to know and they need to hear and not what they want to hear. I'm not a yes man. So I'm very honest with them. And I, at the very beginning of our relationship, I explained that to them and that's, that seemed to have, have worked just explaining to them that I'm always going to tell them what they need to hear and I'm going to always be there for them and I'm not going to be a yes man and they all appreciate it. Robert, those special characters, characteristics that you have, man, did your parents put that in you? Were you just born that way? No, you know, my family, you know, we're, we're from the West Indies and when you're from the West Indies, man, you know, education, my mom didn't, didn't really think football she was like, ah, you're playing that stupid American game football you know you got to go to college and you got to get a an, an education and you know it was always about what what's your grades and you know hey um you know how how you know it's time to start getting ready for medical school and and so that was kind of just what was instilled in us uh from a very very young age education and you know my mother was the type that and father, actually, it was the type that, you know, if you if you just, um, you know, didn't didn't pronounce a word right, she would stop you in your mid conversation and say, that's not how you say that word. You say it like this, or, you know, so it was always a, a, a lesson when from the time we woke up to the time we went to bed. I think I think when you look at with today's parenting and you're the perfect example, because I think you have what, three kids? Yes. How many boys? Two boys and one girl. Football players or no? No. Was no that on, football player. No. No. On purpose? 
Uh, no, no, this, you know, my, so my oldest son works for, uh, uh, Jackson and he's in administration. He played football in high school, but you know, didn't, didn't really got injured and didn't want to do it. He's really into music and, and rapping and producing and, um, uh, you know, is, is, is a productive citizen and, my youngest son looks up to him. So now he's into music. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so it's all about music in this house with, with those two. And my, my daughter's in, into arts. Uh, she uh, paints and, and draws and also loves acting. Uh, so we, you know, they, they all stayed away from the sports. Robert, that we're on this topic, man, how important is, understanding these kids now social media the world they live in versus being kind of old school and saying oh no no that doesn't really matter go this way or that way because the fact that you could have two boys and not shove football down their throat and even be cool enough to allow them to get into the music world is a big deal man right i how, you know how did you do that listen it wasn't easy it really wasn't. I had to really take a step back and understand where these kids are coming from. It's a different day and age. The technology is just overwhelming. Um, you know, my son is 12 years old. He has a, you know, iPad and, and my daughter is, is 14 years old and she has an iPhone. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a phone until I was at college. So, it's just a different time, you know, going outside and, and throwing stones and and picking up sticks and throwing a football around and playing football with, you know, some kids of some blocks over that you really don't know. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, it's just it's different times. Everything is is now out in the open. It's very dangerous world out there. There's a lot of unrest. Now we have now we're in COVID. So it's a it's just different times. You can't even really talk to the kids the way your parents talk to you. You know, they are very opinionated uh, because they're 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 every day being bombarded with information from the internet and from the cell phone. So when the, me as a parent, when I finally open my mouth, it's they they're, they think they know more than me, and they're like, you, you know, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. So that's a humongous change from the way I was brought up. You know, I was brought up when I'm in the room with my parents. You don't say anything. You don't speak until you're spoken to. If they're your parents' friends are 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 um, in the house, you go to your room and really hang out in your room. You don't hang out where adults hang out. I, you know, I probably could count on my hands how many times I went in my mom's room. You know, my my kids go come in my room and jump on the bed like it's their room. You know, so it's just a different time. And as long as, you know, we as adults uh, can change and understand how to communicate with them uh, on this level of, of social media and, and everything, I, I, you know, we can get it done. And I, you know, I would say I've been doing a good job. I, it sounds like it, man. I'm a... I'm a big fan of social media. I wouldn't be known if it wasn't for right. social media, but I'm 
I'm old enough and young enough to understand both worlds. And I'm kind of like the kid whisperer. I get about right. 500 to 1,000 DMs a week with parents' concerns of everything from coach, should my kid repeat the eighth grade, to kids that have Googled how to commit suicide. Right. So it's, 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 it's funny and intense. It's everything at the same time. Yeah, it is. It really is. Social media is, is really um, the number one source uh, of information that these kids use. Um, it is very addictive. Uh, as you said, uh, everything is about marketing yourself, your brand, your, what, you know, your, your services, your products through social media now. And the kids are learning at a very early age how to make money, um, which is good and bad. And it's just, it's just something that we have to come to terms. You know, now you have kids that make money playing video games and, and having people watch them play video games, they're making money. And now you have kids that are making millions of dollars in video game tournaments. I remember when video games were actually a bad thing. And, you know, the parents felt like if you play video games, you're wasting your, your life. You're playing, staying in the room. You know, if you, now you got kids that, that are, you know, below 15. I'm back. Uh, you're back. Perfect. 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 You can hear me? Perfect. What, what I was asking you is, since you said that, how do you approach? Because... I think you guys are at a point, and it's been for a while, that you're probably the best in the business of what you do. But you always want to be innovating and be ahead of the curve and stuff like that. How do you guys view social? Do you have meetings about it? Do you just like, hey, whatever? Because how it, how it goes, I think it's in terms of social media relevance, it's basketball, football, then the baseball players are way last. Even though you guys have the helmets on, you guys beat us baseball players. Do you guys talk about that at all? Is that part of the mix or it's just football, football, that's it? No, no. Social. We, we actually have a social media department. And our social media department uh, maximizes uh, social media uh, for the players. They help the players uh, maximize their social media for self-branding and as well as, you know, we help them with content, uh, professional content. We help them uh, get verified. You know, we help them integrate their social media into their, their community relations, the community events, uh, their, their personal uh, branding of themselves, uh, pushing their, their own agendas, uh, partnering with, with, with companies in, in, uh, in the industry that want to be a part of, of the NFL. Um, without paying the big dollars the NFL can can indirectly use can you you're hear back. Me? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, back. Yeah. You're back. So players can use social media to um you know to, to basically self promote and we help them and we have a whole department for that. We hired people to help them with that. And and so All right, there we go. Uh, can you hear me? Hey Perfect. man, are you in Barbados? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Miami, bro. <laughs> so yeah, so just to get back to that question, yeah. So social media is, is is tremendous and it is a part, it is a part of the NFL. It's a part of all sports, it's a part of all business. And every business is is being used uh, you know, from the biggest companies like Amazon and Apple 
to independent mom and pops. Everyone is using social media and, and actually it's changing the world. You know, social media has changed the world. Apple uh, has changed the world. Amazon's changed the world. And, and we all have to adapt. You know, I remember telling my kids, you can't get on social media till you're a certain age. And, and I, you know, now they're on social media and, you know, I just, all I could do is consistently talk to them about the dangers of social media because yes, it's a great platform, but it's also a way for some of the bad people out there to get to underage kids and children. And so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to teach them how to handle social media and, and what, what to click on and what not to click on. Robert, uh, go for it, Ivan. Uh, speaking of social media, obviously, you know, being part of the team and the agency, how do you guys protect these younger players from themselves when it comes to social media? Meaning what they're posting, content. From an agency standpoint, obviously there's certain things that cannot be posted. Do you guys help them with that? Yeah, you know, from the time we sign a player, we we do a, a social media clean. There's a, a few companies out there that will go through players' social media uh, and use, uh, you know, certain um, words that will will alert them to what's what's happening with players' social media. But it, it actually cleans their social media. It helps them uh, delete. Uh, posts that were done in the past and then it teaches them how to move forward with their posts and and what words to stay away from um you know it's it's, it's a it's a very comprehensive um activity that that this company does cleaning this these guys social media so i mean it is 100 extremely important and we you know we we all follow each other from an agency standpoint, when we see something, we tell them, you know, immediately. You know, sometimes, and and it's not it's not easy. Sometimes I I uh, I I'll repost someone's um, tweet or, or Instagram post, and then I get a call from from someone on our team. Hey, Robert, you you need to delete that. This person has this background, so the post was okay. But I didn't know that they had a certain background that we didn't we don't represent. And Robert, so, I hear that so many people are getting in trouble right. with the reposts. Yeah. So, so it's repost, no more reposts. <laughs> right. So so the repost is cool, but when you repost from someone that that may not have the same beliefs that you don't that you have, people people that don't know either one of you assume you're both the same. Right. So they assumed, hey, you reposted this guy. You believe you, you have the same beliefs of this guy, which is not necessarily true, but it's a part of our is a part of society today. You know, so you got to really watch who you repost um, from a standpoint of just what, what their background is. Robert, I want to talking about society. And now, man, NFL was the first professional league to start with the kneeling and the protesting and uh, standing up for for rights we have there's three minorities here in the screen right i i always say me and ivan are lucky because we're cuban that grew up in miami so right. in a weird way we're the majority right here in miami so yes, we've never are. we've never dealt with that we know at least racism or stuff like that right you being black 
Right. Growing up, because I want to talk to you about growing up, dealing with it, and then now what message do you have? Let's start off, let's hit it from home with your kids. Do you talk about getting pulled over? Hey, listen, man, be this way, do this and that. I feel we're, listen, your kids are lucky. They know who their dad is, number one. And you look, since you're a caring guy, you're going to educate them and you're big on education. How much are we missing the boat on what we can control? Listen, if we get some dickhead cop, every one of us here is fucked. But right. what yeah, can, yeah. how much communication do you share Growing up first, you and your experiences, and then now as a successful executive, man. You know, first of all, when I first came to this country at nine years old, I never really, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't experienced racism. In Barbados, we don't really have racism. You know, it's a country that I would say probably 90% of the people there are black people. So I, I, I never experienced the N-word um, I knew what racism, the word racism meant, but I, I hadn't experienced it. It wasn't until I came to America and I experienced racism. And then um, I really learned on the, on the go. You know, my parents didn't really sit down and talk to us about it. It wasn't one of those, um, we weren't one of those households that my mom would sit down and talk to me about about racism and or my dad would sit down and talk to me about racism. It was just a situation where as I was growing up in football and being around other football players, I was I was forced to deal with it and forced to learn about it. Uh, and and for me, I'm not a very um, in, in, in negatively engaging person. I don't engage uh, anything negative. Um, so when it happened, I just kind of walked away, got, got out of the situation and moved on. Um, so you're back, but we can't hear you. Can't hear you. Okay. So that's, that's, that's how I dealt with it. And, um, now in 2020, I'm forced to do, I'm forced to deal with it, um, from a different angle as a father. Um, I spoke, you know, I, I talked to my kids about it and you'll be surprised how much they have learned about racism just through the internet and social media and interactions in school and the whole bullying movement that brought up racism also and things that happened that we, uh, that our kids really know a lot that we, we would think they don't know, but they know a lot more than we, we think. But I, you know, I talked to my kids about it. My daughter, who is the middle child, is very active. She, she, she's, she, doesn't, she doesn't play when it comes to racism. She doesn't like it. She talks about it. She, you know, with her, friend, her white friends, she talks about racism with her white friends. And she tells them, you know, what they can and cannot say when they maybe playing around or making jokes. She doesn't play with the jokes. I mean, she's 14 years old. She's very, very um, strong. She has strong feelings about it. So, you know, it is it is something that that I've dealt with on every level uh, in uh, high school, college, and in the NFL. I, I, I've dealt with racism, and, and I continue to deal with racism even after after the NFL. And when I say I dealt with racism, I, I've had individual instances that's happened to me, incidents that 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 personally happened to me 
um, whether I was, you know, uh, talking to someone directly or or in an, in an environment that something was happening that was racist. So, um, you know, right now it's, it's a very, very uh, polarized, um, you know, topic and everyone's talking about it. And I'm learning a lot more. Um, my 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 girlfriend, who's Venezuelan, um, and she she's not she's not black. Uh, she's actually uh, her, she was born in Venezuela, but she's from German descent. And so I have to go through what racism. What you know, I, we have some topics that we talk about that she doesn't understand. You know, she um, the Black Lives Matter movement. We had conversations about that. We had conversations about the rioting and the protesting. You know the difference between protesting and rioting, and why why can't they protest and not riot, and why does the riot act? And so I'm, I'm I find myself teaching her mostly uh, about you know the history and and the you know how racism and how. Uh, the oppression has grown over the years and how we've dealt with it and why why protests go into rioting and why police act the way they act. And, you know, I try to be as um, as fair as possible. I try to be as understanding uh, as, uh, as possible in terms of what she understands. So we've had a lot of good conversation and it's brought up some some tough some tough conversations. So. You know, it is a part of our culture right now. It's a part of every single sport is is representing, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or something in that in that regard, and which is good. But I don't think it's um, I don't think the change is going to come from from our generation. I think the change is going to come from the young the, the the generation that's in elementary school. You know, they have to understand what's going on, and then by the time they get in, when they become the politicians and they get into office, then they can change uh, a lot of a lot of things that are rooted in our system from books in in, in elementary school and the, the lies that are in some of the history books and start from the bottom and move up. I don't think it's going to happen with, with 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 our politicians today because they've they've already read all those books and they believe everything that they've read and they they've already been kind of like t- trying to teach a, a old dog new tricks. Right. I think that the new dogs who are the younger kids are going to have the new tricks that are, are going to be in favor of everybody. I, I can't agree with you more there, Robert. I've had a lot of a lot of teams, a lot of groups, majority black, reach out to me and, and speak about the situation. And I said to them, I said, listen, me... If you take, let's say, me and Ivan right now, we fit probably 50%, 70% of guys in jail. We're right. bald, we're Latin, and we have tattoos. Right. right. Now, now, we could have chosen, the Latin part, we couldn't chose the tattoos part. Unfortunately, that was us. We got into that. The right. hair stuff, you know, we lose that, it. We take it to that, you know. Yeah. That's, that's part of the mix. But mix. you can't pick if you're black or you're not. But right. what I tell what I tell somebody is if you look like me, which is a criminal, till I show you I'm not a criminal. Right. In a situation that is already alarmed, and this is me sober. We're not talking about if you have a couple of drinks in you, if you have anything else going on, whatever. 
And I started just talking about the process of, listen, we as men are so undertaught, all of us, even the ones that had both of our parents, right? of how to be men in society. Right. We look like men by the age of 15, sometimes 14, we're already six feet or above, and right. we look like these mature dudes and we have no idea what we're doing. Right. I agree. So I, what I start telling the leaders, the coaches, the leaders of the group, wherever it is, is we got to start talking about this stuff. We got to start talking about that if it's 2 a.m. and you get pulled over, and yes, if you happen to look like a rapper, which is super cool and sexy, but to some people it looks like a red flag already, how you behave. Because unfortunately, the only thing we can control is our behavior. We, if we start popping cameras in front of people and we start mouthing off in front of officers, it's not going to go good for us. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's a I think that's a, a tremendous point that you make. You know, I think I think. You know. Taking your phone and turning your camera on and putting it in the in the police's face is kind of the, the match that lights the firecracker for the police. You know, a lot of incidents can probably be. Um, you know, can, can probably be avoided, but we're so armed with our phones. And, you know, in some cases you need, you need to be armed, right? And in some cases it's probably best just to say, yes, sir, here's my driver's license. Instead of challenging them that you don't want to give them your driver's license, it's probably best to say, here's my registration. Instead of challenging them that you don't want to give them the registration because sometimes things happen And, you know, when, when those things happen, when you're dead, you're dead, you know, you're gone and you probably could have avoided it. And so I was, you know, I was brought up to always respect the police, you know, when they pull me over, I don't care if they pull me over for profiling or they pull me over for, for, you know, maybe I was speeding or something, but when they pull me over, I said, yes, sir. They asked me for my driver's license. I don't challenge them. I just give my driver's license. And if he's going to give me a ticket, I say thank you, and I and I leave, and I always looked at that as though they're just doing their job. And hey, you know, I didn't, I I got the ticket because I was speeding, or he pulled me over for profiling, and then he let me go because he realized I'm, you know, I'm not who he may have thought I was. Every, you know, yes, I think police needs there there needs to be uh, a different training for the police. There needs to be different training. There needs to be a lot of things that need to be done. But I think a lot of things can can be avoided, and we have to understand, uh, you know, that they're all human beings, and some days ain't aren't good days for 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 us, and some days are good days. And when it's not a good day, I mean, me myself, I, you can probably catch me doing some some things that I shouldn't have done. Right. <laughs> so it's just under it's just an understanding from the public. But yes, I think I think the police need to be retrained on how to really because we pay them with our tax dollars you know they don't pay us uh, so so there is there is no uh, we don't have any blueprint of how to act we act how we want to act but they they have a blueprint of how they should act and unfortunately a lot of, uh, you know a, a lot of the bad guys that are police officers don't follow that blueprint and and that's where we have a lot of our problems i totally agree i think we need to re Structuring on the communication, on the 101 of, okay, listen, you want to pull out your phone? You can pull out your phone. This is what's going on. 
listen, it's your best. And to please give me your this more pleases, more right. in a nice way. And then listen, if you keep up, I'm going to have to apprehend you like more of that, less more authoritative. And if you don't listen right. to me and you know, that's, that's what I think we need, dude. Let's talk some football here real quick. Let's get you in some football. I'm good. You're a dude that got, you have two titles in Miami. Okay. What made you so special in Miami that you go, man, this is the kind of football I am. Were you an all hard guy? Were you a speed guy? Were you an all like toughness kind of guy? What, what made you pop at Miami? Man, that's a great question. That's probably the best question. <laughs> All right. you, bro, you're pretty damn good, bro. Right. What would you think? You think Ivan? You think Ivan's gonna bring some Mickey Mouse dude out of nowhere? Come on, man. Uh, bro, that's a great question, bro. That's a great question. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, we all have a a profile in our head of who we are, and um, and that's in every walk of life, whether you're dealing with women or you're dealing with school or you're dealing with, we all know what we, we all know that, Hey, I'm ready for that English class, but I'm not ready for that math class. Right. We all, yeah, you know what I mean? So I am a extremely competitive person. I competed in practice in walkthroughs. I, so that was, I would say one of the, um main reasons why I played 11 years in the NFL uh one of the main reasons I I you know won two national championships in college one of the main reasons I won two Super Bowls in the NFL and one of the main reasons why I continue to hold the NFL record for longest punt return in NFL history I I as you said as you uh mentioned I am extremely respectful of my peers i am very sociable with people i meet doesn't matter if they're um strangers i am a very sociable sociable social person uh i respect authority i work hard for my coach i'm always i'm the i'm the character i have character uh the type of character that i'm always trying to impress my coach at all instances And last but not least, I can I control what I can control at a hundred percent on a positive note, right? So I'm always going to be on time. I'm never going to be late. You're not going to get you're not going to cut me or get rid of me because I failed at something I couldn't control. So if you cut me, it's going to be because that guy was faster than me. He beat me on a touchdown. He was just a better player. But you're not going to cut me because I was late to practice or I mouthed off to the coach or I didn't know my playbook. Things that I can control, I controlled 100%. And so I would say that is why I was successful in most of my career on every level uh, is just because of that approach that I took. And to answer your question, which I've probably never been asked that question before. But yes, that is, I would say, just my approach and my competitiveness. Robert, I almost got goosebumps. I did. When you said what you said, because you literally gave there the playbook 
to how to win a life, man. To how to win in life. Exactly. And that's how I, that's how I go about my life. And I'm going to edit this and we're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to chop this up and I'm going to, you're going to have this interview, but I'm going to have that part. And I think you need to show that to your kids, to your wife, your girlfriend, oh, your neighbor, oh, oh. Oh, you, the kids yeah, you my, signed, my, my everybody, kids. man. Yeah. My kids, my, my oldest son, um, is a, a very, um, is like a chip off the old block. Uh, I, one of the, one of the things I've taught him is risk versus reward in every aspect of your life and he uses it to this day i tell you know i've been telling him since he was a young child before you do it you got to look at the reward and you got to look at the risk if the risk involves your life don't do it if the risk involves you going to jail don't do it you know so up to this point he's 25 20 going 26 he you know, when we, when we were together and, and we're talking about how his day went, you know, he'll say, oh, I did this, I did that. You know, I was going to do this, but hey, you know, risk versus reward, dad, I'm not going to do that. So there's a lot, there's that, that's just a, a huge saying in our house. And as I, I believe as long as they follow risk versus reward, you know, they'll make the right decisions most of the time. And Robert, what that did for you in that locker room at UM was instantly earn what every man is looking for in this world, which is respect. Right. So I think that was huge. Take me through the mindset of, okay, you crushed it at Miami, you're the man, and then you get drafted here in the fourth round. Right. Which in football, in baseball is awesome. In football, I don't think it's that hot, right? Right. In football, well, when I got drafted in the fourth round, it was it was 12 rounds at the time. Okay. And so I, you know, I, I thought it was okay. I thought, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, everybody wants to be a first rounder, right? So we have a saying in agent business <clears throat> that um, if you're not the first pick of the draft, you're not happy, you know, because every player, um, every player wishes, every player wishes to be a higher pick if they're, if people have been telling them, "Hey, man, you know you're gonna be a high pick, and and you're you're gonna be pick number ten," they, they'll find something in picks one through nine that they're better than, <laughs> and so we're constantly dealing with that. But um, you know, it is it is in terms of how I go about uh, my life and my kids' life and just doing everything the right way is extremely, extremely important to me and my family. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, how, how we handle the police and things of that nature, you know, it's just, it's just, I just want them to be disciplined kids, nice kids. And uh, if they follow that particular, uh, if they follow those, th those theories, those, those, those philosophies, they'll, they'll be fine. Awesome, dude. What is the difference, vibe-wise, feeling-wise, winning a national title and winning a Super Bowl? Well, you know, both. I, you know, I, you know, you would assume that winning a Super Bowl is the ultimate. But when you're in high school and you win the high school championship, that is that is what it is at that moment, because in high school. The high school championship means you're number one in high school. 
And that's what's relevant to you at the time. College isn't relevant. NFL isn't relevant. So at that moment, you are on top of the world. When you're in college, same thing. What's relevant is all the other college teams, not what the Minnesota Vikings is doing or any other NFL team. You know, you're you're in college and you're you're your perspective is college. And when you win the college championship, you're on top of the world. It's the most important thing ever. And when and then the Super Bowl is 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 relevant because you're the the best of the best in the NFL. So for every championship that I've had, all of them were amazing. I was elated after all of them, super happy, you know, and I, I was very happy about about them all. It, it you know, I don't I, I don't know how else to explain it. I'm glad I have all the different things that I've done, I've accomplished, and they all are my children. As as Ivan said, they're all my children. I love them all the same. They're they're just achievements that I have. But now I'm on a different perspective. Now I'm on a different road. I am an agent, and my wins now are are taking a player from college who basically has no money and and helping him become a multimillionaire and watching him go from being broke and um you know living in a small home i go visit their parents and it's the mom dad maybe three or four kids and it's a two-bedroom house you know to to when they buy the huge mansion and now they're making you know 15 million a year that is my super bowl now that is that is what I love. I love to see the guy that that we just made the highest paid player at his position. I love when my clients, uh, you know, win the Super Bowl. I love when my clients go from a, a situation maybe off the field that's negative. Maybe they got in some legal problems and then they get then they're they're um, they they get out of it and then have success in football and financially and. So I love all those wins, and they're all they all great to me. And those those are not my Super Bowl wins. Robert, a couple more questions. When I spoke at two years ago, I spoke at Oregon State, the national champions in baseball. Right. And I told them, so I want to see if you agree with what I said or not. I told them that if winning a title in college is the highlight of your life, your life's gonna suck. Yeah, it's going to suck. Bro. It's going to suck because now here's the thing. We're not, you are, that's why I'm so happy that you're in the position that you are right now in life because you have everything that a winner needs. You have every ingredient that people that are winning have. I just want you to use the platform to say it more and more because there should be statues of you in every state. And I appreciate just, that. Of course, man, because the mindset that you have to understand that on paper, collegially, professionally, it's going to be super hard to beat you, but that you're now happier giving back to kids right. and their families. That is the move. And I think, and ask me what you, tell me what you feel about this. I think we're not training kids Young men, post, I got uh, collegiate careers, post, professional careers. We cut them. We say, peace out. Go good luck at life. Don't harm me. Don't destroy my life. Go figure it out, dude. Peace. Right. I, 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 I 100% agree with that. I think 
um, the nature of the business is, is it's a financial, uh, you know, it's a financial brand business, right? Everything is about the finances. But I think that the teams, the NFL needs to take into account that these are still kids, right? And, and just kind of throwing them away uh, is, is, is an emotional, uh, stressful uh, time moment for each player that goes through that. And you cannot assume that just because they're professionals that they know how to handle that, right? So these are young men, uh, a majority of them are not mature. You're not mature at 21 and you're not mature at 31, right? You don't start really understanding life to me until you're in your late thirties, going into your forties and you're still learning. You know, I still, I'm 51 and I still ask my mother for advice because she's older than me, right? So for, for, for NFL teams cutting guys, I think if, for me, I think when guys are released, I think right when they're being released, they need to, you know, the team needs to set them, give them the opportunity to, to talk to someone that can help them with the mental process of being released immediately, right? So a guy gets released and in the next room, he goes in and talks um, with a couple of people that are going to help him mentally, that are going to assess him. And, uh, and are, are also going to give him the resources to continue to be assessed and and give them tools in case they have tough times because a lot of these guys go through depression. I, I, I remember certain guys being released and, and actually crying and talking about suicide. I remember I, I have so I, I remember guys just having a bad game and the coach threatening them to be to release them and we're on the way home and they're crying um it is it's a crazy high pressured business that you're putting young men in front of it is like sending young men uh from high school to war right you see how they come out they're all fucked up in the head it is you know, the NFL is the same way. They just don't, I'm not comparing, again, I'm not comparing the NFL to war. I'm right. just comparing the mindset of young men at 20, 21 years old um, working for a corporation that's a billion dollar corporation that threatens their job to get them to play better. Right. A lot of them don't have the background structure, the parents, uh, it's a broken home. And imagine the people who don't even have the grandmother, you know, imagine those people that just go home and, and they're like, well, what now, you know, and then they go through depression. Maybe they, they think they're still going to play football and it never happens for them again. That, that person goes through another year and a half of trying to play football and not even getting a job and just, it's a constant battle and, and, and they just don't know how to handle it. How are we, how are you supposed to handle it as a, 21, 22 year old uh, player that has played football your whole life, and all of a sudden it's over without even being without even with, with surprise. It's not like it's over because you um, 
you were prepared for it. And they say, hey, you know what? You're you're 40 years old now. You're 39. You're prepared for it. Well, these guys aren't prepared to be to have football over in it. They just walked into the NFL facility and they're like, okay, I'm now at the next level. I'm super happy. I'm super happy. And then 10 days later, they're home. Right. And football is over for the rest of their life. Imagine that. You guys are are doing your job and you you have wake up every day with the understanding of what is asked of you. But imagine if, you know, come Monday, that job is no longer there and it's a total surprise. And you're like, what do you mean I can't do this anymore? And uh, yeah, you can't do it anymore. And you say, well, okay, I'll go to another company. And you're all, you're all looking for that next company to go to, but it never happens. And you right. wasted another year of your life trying to go. Yeah, there's going to be some mental breakdowns there, buddy. Well, Robert, I, I think that that's what separates what you guys do at Rosenhouse Sports because you do prepare those athletes. Right. You we do prepare them. Correct. You give them a business plan. We have a life after football football department. And what we tell guys, not at the end of their career, but at the very beginning in their first year, we find out what is it that you want to do. You know, Tyreek Hill is a football coach. Tyreek Hill coaches high school wide receivers for a high school team in Kansas City during the football season. He wants to be a coach. And I don't, and you know, my, my job, a part of mentoring is helping them get to the next level, even while they're playing. I want Tyreek Hill and every other football player out there to already know what's next. The transition is is already happened. Tyreek Hill, his, his goal in life is to be a head football coach at the high school level. And right now he is working on that as a football coach at the high school level, at the wide receiver position. And when football is over, when his NFL career is over, he will have multiple years of experience under his belt. And I and I see him being a high school uh, head coach, being qualified and getting any job he wants. Robert, this is why that's so important, man, because ends of career, especially your sport, happens like this, dude. It could yeah. go from one day to the Overnight. next. So if you start kind of auditing people's personalities. And if a right. guy like you comes and goes, listen, my man, you have GM qualities all over your, listen, my man, you have lawyer abilities or you have yes. YouTube ability. You have, listen, I see you sing. You can do this. You can do, it's just so many things that just isn't the obvious. Right. And it's just time, man, and love that you got to give people. Yes. Talking about music, favorite type of music, Robert? Man, I'm a I'm old school, so I listen to I listen to everything, man. I, I actually, you know, I'm I'm a mood guy, so it depends on what mood I'm in. But really, the mood of happiness. Give me the right, mood of happiness. Right. I mean, you know, meaning if I'm in a competitive um, environment, then most likely it's it's rap. If I'm not in a com- competitive environment. It's, it's like old school R&B. Um, I don't really like the new school music. Give me top old school R&B. Who are we going with? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm like, wow, yes. Like I'm Keith like, Sweat? Keith no, Sweat? I'm like, yeah, I'm like Keith Sweat. I'm like Jodeci. I'm like <laughs> Boys to Men. I'm like, you know, I mean, one of my favorite artists today is Adele. I'm okay. like, 
I, I like uh, the Fuji's. Um, man, I'm just going through in my head. What's in, what? What do I have in my in my in my um, phone right now? But yeah, all that kind of music, you know, Bob Marley. Uh, I listen to YouTube. I listen to um, Brian Adams. Nice. I, it, you can see it's all over the place, right? I love it. I love all it. Of them have amazing music. Sting. I listened to the police. The police at one point in my life was my favorite group. But I'm a big vibe guy. Right. And, and as I did research on you and I saw your vibe, you're one of the few men that's lucky that you're a better human being than you were football player. Right. So I that's appreciate a, that. I'm a pretty high character guy. I wish I was a better football player. <laughs> Dude, that's I would, be, I, I would have made a hell of a lot more money. Dude, I'm thinking, but listen. Happiness outweighs money, buddy. You exactly. see that every 100%. single day. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. I'm a big, I'm a big vibe guy, man. I'm so happy we did this. I'm so happy that you took the time. I'm so happy that you took the time. I'm happy that Ivan introduced us. Yeah. I speak. Other, this podcast is doing really good, but I also speak for a living. And right. I told Ivan, anything I can do to help any one of your causes for free, you got me. I appreciate you, brother. Boom. There it is. What a pleasure to have Robert on. Thank you guys so much. Please subscribe. Please give your feedback. Give me your feedback. It's your coach. Love you guys. And forever, keep going hard and doing your thing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 